Welcome to Inside the Writer's Head. In this podcast, you can expect conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and the literary arts. I am Paula Hansel, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2022 Writer-in-Residence. I'm excited today to speak with three poets involved in a new anthology, I Thought I Heard a Cardinal Sing, poetry from and about Ohio's Appalachian communities. So I'll introduce our guests. Carrie Gunter Seymour, the anthology's editor, is Ohio Poet Laureate and a ninth generation Appalachian from Athens County. In addition to having just signed on for an unprecedented second term as our state poet, Carrie is a recipient of a 2021 Academy of American Poets Laureate Fellowship grant in support of the anthology. Carrie was named 2020 Ohio Poetry Day Poet of the Year for her book, A Place So Deep Inside America It Can't Be Seen. She is founder and director of the Women of Appalachia Project and oh so much more. One of those so mores is that Carrie is author of a poem, Go Joe, inspired by her then neighbor, Joe Burrow's 2019 Heisman Trophy acceptance speech. Carrie's poem went viral, and I mean viral in a good way, and was seen by over 100,000 people, resulting in thousands of dollars donated to her local food pantry. The poem is now used to help promote the foundation for Ohio Appalachia's Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund, designed to make a difference in food insecurity across Southeast Ohio for generations to come. So go Carrie and welcome. Well, thank you, Pauletta. I'm honored to be here. Glad you're here. Also with us is poet and bookseller Delmarie Prenette. Delmarie was born in West Virginia, raised in Southeastern Kentucky, and moved to Cincinnati in the early 2000s for the reasons so many Appalachians do, for work. Delmarie has been part of the vibrant Appalachian writing scene practically from birth, having been born into a family of poets and activists, and has since made her own mark with writing published in the anthologies, Appalachian Reckoning, A Region Response to Hillbilly Elegy, and Quarried, Three Decades of Pine Mountain Sand and Gravel, among other publications. Delmarie works as manager of a local bookstore and plays a mean ukulele. Welcome, Delmarie. Thank you for having me. Glad you're here. Mark Youssef is a poet and physician practicing in the Cincinnati area. In addition to his MD, he has an MA in English and is working toward his MFA, Masters in Fine Arts, in poetry, joining an impressive lineage of physician poets, such as William Carlos Williams and John Keats. Mark was born and raised in central Kentucky on the edge of Appalachia, spending much time in camping, rock climbing, canoeing, foraging, and hiking throughout the region. In medical school, he practiced in rural Appalachian family medicine clinics, learning to appreciate Appalachia's people as well as the land. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. Glad you're here. So we're gonna start this conversation with Carrie. Carrie, tell us about being the Ohio Poet Laureate. I know you began your first term in June, 2020, right at the beginning of a global pandemic. So talk to us about what your goals have been and all the wonderful things that I know you've been doing. Well, uh, Pauletta, first I have to say that I'm just honored beyond words that uh, Governor DeWine uh, asked me to serve a second term. 
Um, odd as it may sound, despite of the pandemic, I, I found myself traveling virtually, of course, uh, in every direction throughout our state, um, doing readings, uh, listening to others read, yeah. uh, providing workshops, writing poetry. And we did this any way we could, which was basically email, cell phone, Zoom, Skype, WebEx, you know, masked and six feet apart. Um, and during my first term, which was a total of 18 months, I completed over 150 events and activities. Wow. That's amazing. Kim. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, I just felt like people were were asking for poetry and that that's my job. I'm a service oriented person. And I think some of the finest work that I did was with incarcerated teens and adults and um, and adults in recovery programs. Um, I just met and worked with so many beautifully spirited and incredibly dedicated people. Um, and they were as passionate about it as, as I am. And um, overall, uh, my goal has been in, and will continue to be to create opportunities to, uh, that are designed to lift up all voices, you know, from emerging to well-established, from adolescence to creatively aging. I want to advocate also for those who cannot do so for themselves and just shine a big old bright light on Ohio's bounty of remarkable poets. Well, and I know you will because you've been doing it already, which is, is really so wonderful. So thank you for all your service. Oh, it's been my pleasure. <laughs> so what's what's up next? Well, now that you've asked, I will tell you all. Um, so beginning March 16th was barely a month away. I will begin traveling the state live and in person as long as you know we're able. I'm going to go no north, south, east, and west. And this will be for reading events I scheduled to promote the poets who contributed to my latest project, which is an anthology that we are talking about today. I thought I heard a cardinal sing. Ohio's Appalachian Voices, and these particular events um, will provide an opportunity for the contributors to meet each other, but also to connect with communities throughout the state. Um, we're scheduled to read in Cincinnati, in Westerville, in Ironton, in Marietta, Youngstown, Akron, Toledo, um, Athens, Ohio, South Euclid, and Coshocton. So we're literally all over the state. Cool. And I'm I've excited. Not even, I've not even heard of some of those places. Like, <laughs> where, where is Coshocton? That must be far away from Cincinnati. <laughs> as far as I know, it is, um, you know, northeast, kind of middle, not quite north, but it's on the east side of the state. Cool. Well, I hope I get to visit there. <laughs> Me too. I've never been either. That's great. Well, well, tell us about the anthology. How did it come about and what have you chosen? And you're already telling us, of course, how you're getting out, it out into the world, but you might also tell us beyond those events how people can get their hands on it. Well, um, it's, it's hard to believe this for me, but some people forget and some don't even know that one quarter of the state of Ohio rests in Appalachia proper. And there are pockets of Appalachian neighborhoods all across the state. So my goal, again, has been to shine a light on Appalachian Ohio. Um, so this journey um, to bring about this one of a kind collection, um, it's been kind of a whirlwind. 
Um, I applied for a grant, which I received from the uh, Academy of American Poets. Um, the window for completing the project is one year. And that sounds like a whole lot of time, but believe me, to put a book together, as I'm finding out, it is not, even though I've put many books together before. Um, I'm a graphic designer as well as a poet. So in less than seven and a half months, I was able to build a brand, a website, a marketing plan, prepare recruitment materials, and put together several instructional uh, recruitment videos. Then the call for poems went out on social media, and I did some personal email recruiting, and that started August 1st and ended October 30th. Nearly 700 poems were submitted, and those were winnowed down with the assistance from my amazing jurors, Haley Mitchell Hagen and David B. Prather, and work from 133 poets was selected for publication. Wow, 133. And, That's yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, say, I say amazing a lot, but I mean it. <laughs> no, it is because we're all focused on Appalachian, Ohio, right? We're either we either are Appalachian or friends with someone who's an Appalachian, or we're writing about nature of Appalachian, Ohio, or history. So uh, mid-November, I started collating the order of the poems in the book, and then I designed the inside layout. And then I took on the role of art director and I worked with an Ohio Appalachian fine artist to create the cover. And then from there, the, co the, com uh, the completed manuscript spent a month in editing and proofing. And uh, just this last week, my publisher uh, at Sheila Gig Editions um, sent that out for print. Wow. Um, and I'm, I'm so very excited and we're, you know, we're, uh, we're gritting our teeth and, and biting our fingernails, uh, you know, hoping that it will be uh, ready to launch um, at our event on March 16th. And I'm sure it will, but it's just that little niggling that goes on in your mind. Um, but uh, what we will do then is um, we'll start our readings and we'll do the launch uh, there. And like I said, there are nine live readings Um and I'm so excited for uh, Ohio to become more aware of their Appalachian neighbors and, and what we bring to the table, right? right. Um, and how we have maintained our culture in spite of uh, stereotype and marginalization. Well, and so one of the things I'd like you to, to, to just mention, if you will, since we're here at the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library, how are you getting the books into the libraries? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Pauletta, because I almost forgot to say. So with assistance, um, you know, additional funding from the Foundation for Appalachian Ohio, uh, I have been able to arrange for a copy of the anthology to be sent to every library in Ohio via snail mail, of course. And then a copy will go to every Appalachian middle and high school in Ohio because wow. our teens need to be proud of their roots and where they come from. That's great. That, that is so wonderful. And I, I know the library listeners will be really happy to hear that as well. But And I also know that for folks who just want to get their hands on their own copies, that in addition to going to the events to pick one up, they'll be able to order them, hopefully, and get them at bookstores and as well. Absolutely. And what I'd love to suggest is that folks go directly to Sheila Nagig Editions. You can find that. Um, online or it's just Sheila Nagig blog 
um, and buy them directly from my small press because she is a very small press and works so hard for Appalachia. And I'd love to see um, every little dollar that possibly can go back into that beautiful small press. That's that's great. And we'll be sure to add that uh, website to the blog that will will go out announcing this this podcast as well. So, Carrie, will you read us one of your poems that's in the anthology? Oh, I'd love to. Um, this one's called To No One in Particular. I'm never happy to see summer go. Earth stripped of its finest voice. I'm sitting outside in my heavy coat, porch light off. There is no moon, no ambient distractions, the sky a Zion. I take solace in considering the age of this valley, the way water left its mark on Appalachia long before Peabody sunk a shaft. Chevron augured the shale or ODOT dynamited roadways through steep rock. I grew up in a house where canned fruit cocktail was considered a treat. My sister and I fought over who got to eat the fake cherries. Standouts in the can, though tasting exactly like every other tired piece of fruit floating in the heavy syrup. But it was store-bought like city folks, and we were too gullible to understand the corruption in the concept. Our mother's home canned harvests superior in every way. I cringe when I think of how we shamed her. So much here depends upon a green corn stalk, a patched barn roof, weather, the Lord, community. We've rarely been offered a hand that didn't destroy. Inside the house, the light bulb comes on when the refrigerator door is opened. My husband rummages a snack, plops beside me on the porch to wolf it down, turns, plants a kiss, leans back in his chair, says to no one in particular, a person could spend a lifetime under a sky such as this. That's lovely, Carrie. Thank you so much for reading that. Yeah, so a taste of, um, I thought I heard a cardinal sing. But before we start to talk to our other poets who are here, I have just got to ask, being here in Cincinnati, uh, you wrote a poem about Joe Burrow when you were poet laureate of Athens, and we don't have a whole lot of football poems in the world. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, I, I, and, you know, so I think about another Ohio Appalachian poet, James Wright, and his Autumn Begins in Martin's Ferry. And, and I know that your poem, like Wright's, is, of course, about much more than football. So would you just tell us a little bit about it? Well, it's kind of one of those serendipitous things, Pauletta, because uh, uh, back in December of 2019, um, I wrote the poem in honor of Joe Burrow because he had given that amazing Heisman speech about poverty in Athens County, Ohio. And I was the Athens City County Poet Laureate at that time. So how could I not? I couldn't have raised my face up in public if I hadn't uh, written a poem for him is, is how I felt anyway. I mean, what an incredible young man. 
So what I did, like I said, because I didn't know much about football, I wrote about my own experience as a single mother living low income in Athens County, Ohio. And I included details of others in my neighborhood. And it was one of those quick round poems, you know, quick turnaround, time sensitive. So I submitted the poem to my local newspaper, which was the Athens News, and they published it. But I also posted it on social media. And that's when it went viral. Within 24 hours, you know, over 101,000 people had seen it and liked it and shared the poem. And that's what resulted in literally thousands of dollars donated to that original Athens County Food Pantry uh, fundraiser that Joe's friend, Will Draybold, had created. And um, it was just it was just like I said, all those things just lining up perfectly to make it happen. And it was just, you know, ten dollars here, twenty dollars there, five dollars, whatever people could afford. But just so many giving. Um, and what I love is that powerful, you know, poetry can be such a powerful tool if we write our truths and write what we know, where we come from. Right. And not be ashamed of it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carrie. And, and I'll, I'll uh, be sure to uh, put the link to uh, to your poem in our our, our blog uh, announcing the podcast as well so that people can read it and hear hear you read it and and um, and find out a little bit more about that fund as well. So thank you. Well, thank you, Pauletta. So I want to turn now to uh, other poets in the anthology, and I'm going to start with Del Marie Prunette. Uh, Del, you, I know you have a poem, and I thought I heard a cardinal sing, and we're all going to want to hear that poem. But first, I happen to know that though you are a relative youngin, you have been connected to Appalachia and Appalachian poetry for quite some time. So will you tell us about your history? Thank you very much. Yes, um, the richness of the culture of where we're from and the ecology was always very influential to me, but as much was the depressed economics of the region. Um, I was raised in the uh, 80s and 90s when the underground mining was really shifting and making way for more mountaintop removal and valley fill style mining in West Virginia and Kentucky. And um, the setting of the poem I'll read today is my home place in West Virginia, which is also the location of the tragic Buffalo Creek flood disaster, which took place in 1972, 50 years ago this year. Um, and with that backdrop, um, I remain really grateful for the influence of my parents and my family who really championed my artistic voice very young. And I had a great deal of opportunities to participate in creative writing circles with the Southern Appalachian Writers Cooperative and gained a lot of leadership experience and performance opportunities in youth theater, which helped me find my way into a liberal arts program where I later studied poetry and graduated with a theater degree from Moorhead State. I worked in regional theater for many years while sharing my work as a poet and storyteller, really anywhere I was asked to perform or show up with a poem. And um, always want to really honor my teachers and the influence of the activists and writers that helped raise me. So I do wanna make a mention that Pauletta, thank you very much for your influence in my life as my mother's dearest friend, um, a soup bean poet 
uh, I definitely got to grow up with your influence and um, helping me find my own creative expression. And I try to pass along that same encouragement to other women and girls. That's great, Del Marie. I see, I see you doing that. And I guess I should probably fess up that that Del Marie is 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 my god baby. She's my goddaughter. So <laughs> we we have known each other from practically from, from her birth. And so I'm I'm glad to I'm, I'm honored to be able to see all the way that you are passing, passing it on. So thanks for that. And you've been involved in a number of anthologies and publications, of course, over the years. And I just wonder if you have any, any thoughts about this particular uh, anthology and how you see it adding to, um, to, the, to the work that we have all been doing these many years. Well, I'm so grateful for it. And thank you so much, Carrie, and to your jurors for including me and, and for making this opportunity the reach of this volume um, going into so many libraries and schools is just astounding. I have family in Vermilion, Ohio and Cleveland uh, who are raising young children. Um, I'm so excited to think of them being able to go into these libraries and reading these rich stories and poems. I think so much of what we do by wearing, as I say, my accent on my sleeve, by just being ourselves in the world as artistic, People um, provides an example by giving other people, it provides permission to other people by our example of just being ourselves. I know in the worlds of academia and in professional work, it's easy to fall into that trap of code switching and dropping our accent to be able to be taken profession seriously professionally. And so I hope that as we continue to share the nuances of the region and our own personal experiences that we help um, the younger folks feel like they can still stay strong in their um, in their personal identity and in their creative output. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. Delmarie, thank you for, for bringing that up. And, and let's hear your poem, okay? Okay, thank you. To the part of my spirit, still up the holler. To the part of my spirit, still up the holler, near the mountain break waterfall, past the gas line, before the strip mine, where the horses got to play. I am not calling you back yet. At extreme unction, May I be so blessed to recollect or recall at all your name on my lips will be my last act in the dark slate of night you shiver through me clear as a longhorn blast warning and I sense us together there spread out over the whole place breathing in the green world 
Thank you, Delmarie. Yeah, I, I, I'm. We, we, you can't, you can't, you listeners can't see us, but I get to see everyone here on on our our Zoom screen, which we're we're using as our our recording device. And I just, I think I just saw Carrie shiver, and <laughs> she's nodding that yes, yes, in fact. Thank you, thank you so much. So, Mark Youssef, so glad you're here with us. Yeah. And I know uh, you are somewhat of a newcomer to publishing poetry. And so Mark, as a physician, will you tell us how you came to poetry and how you found out about the anthology? Oh yeah, I guess it all kind of started in college, which is uh, uncomfortably too long ago now that I think about it. Um, um, I have to confess that in, uh, let me see, four days, I'll be turning 40. <laughs> You're a relative youngin' too, then. Yeah, oh, that makes me feel better. That's good. Um, so um, back when I was at an undergraduate at the University of Kentucky, I had the uh, opportunity there to participate in the honors program, and I was uh, selected to be in the Gaines Fellowship Program, and I got to study under several poets there, including James Baker Hall and uh, Rebecca Howell. And that really kind of sparked my interest in poetry. And I really had like a kind of like a poetry crush on them, if that makes any sense. And Who I was wouldn't? like <laughs> obsessed with poetry and, um, but like I didn't, I didn't have much knowledge back then. And I was like, just thrust into like a graduate workshop and I try to do the best I can, but it was kind of uh, um, just like a flailing experience, but I gave it my all. And then, you know, as one does in their twenties, you kind of go and explore the world and try out a bunch of things and Eventually, I made my way into medical school, and which basically means when you when you go into medical school, that basically means you will uh, commit a decade of your life to this thing, um, where it just like takes up most of your time. Um, but I never lost like my desire for poetry. Like I had. I would still on my time off, like I just always loved going to use bookstores and I would buy poetry books and I would keep them in my pocket, my like uh, my little short white coat pocket. And even in the middle of the night when I was like walking the wards of the hospital, if there were downtimes, I would just sit and read and scrawl little crappy poems in my notebooks and things like that so it never kind of was lost to me but after all the time goes by you like pop out of the end of this medical school thing and then you have some time and resources and then I decided to pursue uh there was just like a graduate certificate in uh, creative writing at Northern Kentucky University and so I got to study with uh the poet Kelly Moffat, who is like 
I would consider a mentor and a great person and ended up getting a master's in English. And it just kind of grew from that just because it never, the seed that was planted never kind of uh, got destroyed. Now when I had the time and the resources in my life was somewhat settled, um, aside from having two small children, which are um, like uh, a hurricane and a tornado living in my house at times, uh, which I love so much. I kind of searched around and I found a, a local kind of writing community and I kind of do this Zoom workshop with several people in the Cincinnati area. Eventually that turned into me applying for things and sending out publications and getting a few and eventually uh, applying for low residency MA programs. And I had some good success with that. That's kind of where I'm at right now. That's great. And so it, and so sort of my reading between the lines of sort of knowing these, these communities and how they evolve is, it's interesting. You, you found out then about, um, I thought I heard a Cardinal Singh call, uh, for submissions from through mm -hmm. via the Cincinnati networks then. The Cincinnati yeah. Networks. Word of mouth from yeah. directly from Carrie, actually. That's great. That's uh -huh. great. So will you, uh, read your poems in the anthology for us? Sure. Um, would you like both of them? Yes, I would. They're, they're, uh, they're, I, I've read them. They're lovely and they're both fairly short. So it would be okay. great to hear them both. Absolutely. Um, Forgotten Ohio. A golden summer day late, driving the broken and lunging backcountry roads, windows open, field aromatics swirl across our faces. Seven ravens perched on adjacent fence posts. A deer stands tall in the meadow. The pop-up camper lingers in the shoulder-high grass, its top gently baying and frayed, lacy in the twilight. Exposed poles rust-frozen like arms in curtsy, awaiting a final dance. Thank you. And then this one um, at the flea market. Old army coat, a mannequin torso, 1950s chairs, a set of three, tables of rusty wrenches, old fishing reels, milk crates in the dust. Under the truss, Fenton glass flutes, planters in green, orange, yellow. Sweaty families switch hand the ornaments closely inspected against inner catalogs. Vendors call out sweet and salty kettle corn, soft serve, relish burgers, deep fried anything. I leave with an old toolbox, my niece a druzy geode. Sometimes uncertainty is all that's left. Mm, thank you so much, Mark. And I love how, how you, the two poems that, that uh, the jurors chose 
from you reflect both uh, both the land and the people. You had told me um, that the land is of particular importance to your writing, and and we hear this in your poetry. And I wonder, uh, just you know, growing up in the bluegrass region of Kentucky, so not in Appalachia itself, but on the edge, do you yeah. feel like your proximity to Appalachia shaped you as a writer at all? Yeah, you know, um, I feel like one of my great sort of muses in writing is just sort of being present in nature, um, being kind of like alone in nature or being kind of like, uh, I don't know, quiet or just like uh, um, sort of losing my mind in nature. I mean, in like the way, like, uh, for example, like in Forgotten Ohio, to give you a sense, it was like, um, sometimes just a series of images of just like uh, the surrounding nature or the surrounding countryside can just all of a sudden kind of just trigger the backbones and pieces of a, maybe the bones of a poem and sort of scatters it in my mind. And I know that I can then somehow piece it together. It was like, uh, we were dropping off my niece somewhere at a birthday party outside of Mason. And then we got lost just outside in the countryside and we were just driving and it was such a beautiful day. And it'd been somewhere I've never been before. And it was just so gorgeous, all these little country roads and the weather was perfect. And there were just all these little animals and just, uh, beautiful scenes and it all just came together and I knew it was just like an instantaneous poem just brewing and the same thing for like you know I've always loved like even since I was like a little kid I've like been obsessed with flea markets and I get I still get super excited about going to flea markets to this day all these people that are so focused on their own things but they're all so alike and they have all this interesting stuff that you bring together. And it's like, a, it's like you're opening this big treasure chest and it's just like kind of an amazing experience. Um, it's like very poetic friendly, I guess you could say. Um, well, and thank, thank you for giving us this little insight too into, into the poet's into the poet's head this is this is called inside the writer's head is the yeah. is the name of this podcast and i think that i think what mark mark did was just to open up that that vision in inside uh inside the head of at least this particular writer but i, I see yeah. del marie and carrie are nodding and and we can all all uh kind of have similar ways of of uh having the external sort of open the internal within us so thank you for uh Thank you for, for both your poems and, and for, for uh, your, uh, your exposition of, of how, poet, how poetry can work. So we are coming to the end of our time together, but there's one question that uh, I like to ask all my guests, as did my predecessor, Danny McLean, uh, the previous uh, writer in residence here. And that is, what are you reading? And Carrie, if you don't mind, I will start with you. 
Well, I'm so happy to share this. And it's just, again, serendipity that I happen to be reading it so I can share it honestly, because I am behind my, my book. My stack of books is crazy. And I just read one and then I go on to the next and I go on to the next. So I don't get to some things at the time they are hot off the press, to speak. But um, this beautiful book, um, Hillbilly Guilt by Roy Bentley, who is one of Ohio's um, less known treasures. He's a marvelous poet. This particular book won the Willow Run Poetry Award. Um, And Roy is just a wonderful, entertaining uh, poet. And he's lived a lot of life. And that goes into his poems. And I recommend this book. I've just about halfway through it, but it's just marvelous. And I've read many of his other books, but this is particular wonderful and it's good. Again, it's Hillbilly Guilt, Roy Bentley. Great. Thank you for bringing Roy up here. He is a, a wonderful urban Appalachian writer here in Ohio. And another urban Appalachian writer here in Ohio, Delmarie Prunette. What are you reading? Well, I'm always captivated by and fascinated by cultural myths and comparative religion. And I'm reading The Sacred History by Mark Booth right now. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for bringing that up. And Mark, yeah. what are you reading? Um, I've kind of got my head in different places. So I'm always doing a little bit of medical reading, um, which is probably boring for the purposes of this podcast. But and I'm a little bit of a uh, maybe a high uh, science fiction nerd so I'm reading through the Wheel of Time series as well um you may need to edit that out I'm not sure <laughs> no we'll leave it in <laughs> those are very popular yeah. right? <laughs> and I'm sure we have other science fiction nerds mm-hmm. both in this room and and in our in our listening audience as well but I, I am uh I'm reading maybe one or two poetry books a week as part of my uh low residency curriculum. Um, uh, right now I'm reading through some Stephen Dunn and some Lucille Clifton and just kind of working through a book list that I came up with. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for bringing those, those names uh, to us as well. Stephen Dunn and Lucille Clifton, always worth reading. So friends, that's it for this episode of Inside the Writer's Head. Keep joining us for in-depth conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and the literary arts. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer in Residence program. Learn more by visiting cincinnatilibrary.org slash writer in residence. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And leave us a review. It helps other book lovers find us. Thank you.